welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I chat with Corey Whitaker, who is the head coach of the Culver Girls Academy prep hockey team. We talk about what makes a great goalie, go into detail on the Culver Academies, and all the great things he is doing to take the girls program to the next level. This was a great conversation with Corey, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to today's amazing episode, I wanted to give you an update on Champs app. We now have over 80 college coaches with verified Champs app profiles, most of them from D1 schools, and we continue to add more coaches each week. Once you create your beautiful, free hockey resume on Champs app, you will have a personalized profile link to share with coaches and teams, or you can connect with team coaches directly within Champs app. Coaches not only learn more about you as a player, but they also get notified of your upcoming schedule, when you add videos, and where you are playing if you change teams. Just go to champs.app and click the sign up button to start or update your profile. If you want to learn more, look in the show notes for links to the list of college coaches using Champs app and videos about why and how to create your free Champs app hockey resume. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Corey Whitaker, who is the head coach of the Culver Girls Academy hockey team. Originally from Caledonia, Michigan, Corey was a goalie at Grand Valley State University where he played club hockey. From 2007, he started the women's hockey team at Grand Valley State and acted as their first head coach. He then moved on to Lindenwood University in 2012, where he was an assistant coach for six years and was the goalie coach for USA Hockey gold medalist Nicole Hensley. In 2019, Corey took over as the head coach of the Culver Eagles girls prep team, and I'd like to welcome Corey to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ray. I appreciate the time. Hey, so why don't we start off, Corey? Thank you for being here. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your hockey background, how you started playing goalie, and then why you became a goalie in the first place and how your fair parents felt about that? <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit unique. You know, I'm, I I was born in Michigan, but shortly after that, my my mom moved out to California. And you can imagine back in back in the you know late 70s, early 80s, hockey wasn't necessarily where you go is not California. And so I, I played the typical sports, football, basketball, uh, baseball, things like that, and and uh, ended up moving back to Michigan when, when I was in sixth grade, um, and all my friends played hockey. And so, again, the one thing that they would do to the one kid that didn't know how to play um, was they put him in net, you know, and we used to stuff, um, I wear a huge, my, my buddy's dad was like six, six and huge man. And so I put on his coat and we'd stuff the arms with towels and I put his skates on and just, we just managed and we just had fun. And of course uh, the competitive nature kicks in and, you know, they said, ah, oh, we won't shoot real hard. And before you know it, I'm diving in front of pucks and, uh, just doing all of those things. So that's kind of where the bug bit me was, was, you know, hanging out with all my friends and doing that. And, my dad had some property and uh, in the back of that property, there was like an irrigation pond and it was ideal for, for kids because we could go out there, we set up camp, we'd stay overnight and we'd skate all night and, and play and, and do it all again the next day. And so it was, it was a lot of fun that way. And that's kind of how it started. And how did your parents feel about spending so much money on gold equipment? It wasn't pretty. I can tell you that. Um, and and I was actually blessed to have a coach that um, saw a lot of potential in me and helped us uh, because my family wasn't in a position to completely finance that. And so uh, they they provided the equipment that I needed to um, to start. Um, and then again, once you once you kind of get the whether that be coaching or equipment to to really help you, you know, I, my game kind of kind of jumped a bit when when you could do that. 
Gotcha. And so you ended up playing at Grand Valley State University. Um, did you feel that because you started so late, that was kind of a, a one of the reasons why you, you probably uh, you know couldn't play D one hockey or anything like that, or was it just you 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 chose to go in that direction? I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, let's be honest. I'm five nine. There's not a whole lot of uh, interest in in five nine goaltenders at the next level, and and you kind of saw that coming. And so I tried to make the best of the situations that I had. And and the coach um, at Grand Valley at the time um, was there watching players from the other team we were playing. And there was East Kentwood High School. They were a phenomenal powerhouse. Mike Knubel was there. There were some really uh, fantastic players there back in the day. And they had something like 80 shots in two periods on me or something like that. And uh, I think it was 9 nothing or 10 nothing or something. I kind of probably blacked out. But uh, And then after the game is when he talked to me about the opportunity. And I thought... Um, you know, it's it was a fantastic school. It was an opportunity for me to continue my academic career at a place that I wanted, and it was a it was close to home, uh, and and I got to see my mom quite a bit. So that was that was a big draw for me. Gotcha. So so maybe talk about then how you transitioned from um, you know studying and playing club hockey to eventually starting the women's program at at Grand Valley. Um, yeah, so I was a, what, you know, most clubs, it's run by the students. Uh, and, and so I was an officer on the, on the, um, for the, for the men's side um, and got uh, in good with the, uh, the sports uh, athletic director there. Um, and I had gotten in coaching after I graduated. And um, so he was aware of me and obviously being on the board and handling um, all of the specifics and, and finances and stuff, he could trust me. And Molly Mahoney was the, the students on campus that, that actually kind of filed the paperwork and got everything going. And they reached out to me and said, hey, we're trying to get this, get this thing started. We want somebody that we know we can trust. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of where, where I came in. And um, I, I think I took the job in, in middle of August or something like that. And, and they had maybe 10 or 12 girls and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily pretty to start, but it was something that once you kind of, um, challenged the group and asked them what they wanted out of the experience. And they said, Hey, we want to, we want to build a program that we can be proud of and look back and, and know that we helped build it. And so went out and spread the word about, you know, Grand Valley is a fantastic school, so it was an easy sell on that side of things. And another opportunity to grow uh, women's hockey was was pretty awesome. Um, and we had uh, kind of looked look forward, kind of exploded from there. Gotcha. Okay. So then how did you, uh, you, you did that for several years. Um, so how did you move then from club hockey and Grand Valley to over to Lindenwood? And and basically, as I understand it, you know, were, was the goalie coach and, and the recruiting coordinator. Yeah. So, um in 2011, well, we, we had done a really good job of that and, and ended up um, just having a lot of success at, the, at that ACHA Division One level. Um, and then in 2011, uh, 2011, they had the World University Games. That was the first year that they were going to do that. Um, and I got asked to be a part of that. Um, and Mo Stromo from Penn State, Vince O'Mara from Lindenwood at the time, and myself were the, were the coaches there. And uh, Vince and I just absolutely hit it off. Um, you know, the way that we looked at the game, the way that we talked and our personalities. Um, and so when they made the switch from club, club hop, hockey to division one, um, he called me and said, hey, really enjoyed working with you in Turkey. And, and I think you'd be great to, to help us start, um, start this. And so, you know, I talked to my wife who has been the most amazing support system you can imagine traveling all over the country with me um, 
And we looked at it like this is a great opportunity for us to get outside of our bubble. Um, you know, same high school, same college, young kids, our families are right there. And, and this is a, a great opportunity to not only expand my horizons on the hockey side of things, but also uh, just see another part of the country. And so we jumped at it and and um, it was it was awesome, you know, and and Vince is a great guy and I learned a lot from him. Um, and then I also uh, brought in uh, Scott Spencer, who has been in probably the most influential guy that I've worked with. Um, after a couple of years, uh, we had a coaching change. He came in and brought structure and discipline and and X's and O's and just everything that that program really needed at that time. Um, and and I, I just absolutely loved it. So that's kind of how that transition happened. Gotcha. And were you part of the recruiting team that brought Nicole Hensley to Lindenwood or was she um, already kind of coming committed before you got there? Well, I, I had accepted the, the job, but I had didn't have any conversations with Nicole specifically, but he sent me film on the goalies that he was looking at. And um, I absolutely just loved her athleticism from the second I saw film on her. And, and um, you know, I think looking back, you always, you want to, you want to think you thought she could uh, develop into that, but uh, you just knew she was athletic and driven and motivated. And, and anytime you put that in a recipe, they're just bound for success. Gotcha. Well, you actually uh, led me right into my next question, which is what makes a great goalie? Um, and Oof. clearly you could see it on video. So maybe yeah. you could describe to me what you were seeing and, you know, and seeing what the potential looked like there just by watching on video. Well, so for her, her feet were fantastic. You know, she was she was never um, in too much of a hurry to get to spaces. Her, her chest was always square to the puck, and she was settled and quiet um, and let, didn't fight the game. Um, and, and too many times you have some athletic goaltenders that, that over-pursue and end up getting out of position because they're trying to make these big secondary saves. And she was controlled. She was athletic and powerful. Her ability to go cross-crease was, was probably the best I'd ever seen. Um, and, you know, a little bit undersized um, as far as goaltending is concerned, but her athleticism was just, it would cover that, right? And she uh, was aggressive in the net. Um, and uh, again, when you start to add those things, um, it, it really was a recipe for, for success. And it was a unique, uh, unique experience for her because um, our starter at the time uh, had, was doing some captain skates and she ended up breaking her collarbone. Okay. And, um, and so, I remember sitting on the bench with Nicole and I'm like, Hey, you ready to go? And she's like, absolutely. Like you could just tell. And that was when I knew she had the opportunity to be special is there wasn't hesitation. There wasn't any fear behind her eyes. I mean, of course there's nerves, right? Your first game is against Ohio state at Ohio state. Uh, that's, that's a big, that's a big step. Right. But um, you know, she just, she just had that competitive fire in her. And I think that just absolutely lit it when she got a chance to, um, to start right away. Gotcha. Okay. A couple more goalie questions. So if you were to rank what's most important in evaluating a goalie, uh, especially from like a recruiting perspective, what would be like the top three or four uh, attributes that you would go down and saying, number one's got to be this and number two, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think number one's got to be skating. You know, you got to be able to to get to the puck and be able to do that and be confident on your edges. Um, two is the IQ, um, trying to see the play before it happens. And and we're blessed to be able to be watching the game in front of us uh, the entire time and be able to make what kind of safe selections you want to make um, in the neutral zone and see things developing before they are actually right on top of you is, is, is critical. Um, and, and I think competitive nature, you know, I, I want you to, to want to make that second and third save um, and, and, and just own that moment. And, and so kids that can have those things and that, that fire to compete, 
uh, it's again, another recipe for success. Gotcha. Okay. Last question on goalies. Um, when I, when I watch the NHL, uh, what I find really interesting is these are the top goalies in the world and they struggle with consistency. So why aren't goalies consistent over uh, extended periods of time? Well, I mean, you just look how fast the game is, um, and, and, and look, the game is designed for scoring. Right. And, and this was reason why they've put a lot of um, more emphasis on smaller goalie pads on all of these things and better sticks and all of that. And it just makes it really hard. And so I think you see these ebbs and flows of, of people that are, have put themselves and prepared in a way that allow them to have success. Um, and then at times though, uh, the puck has a funny way of finding the back of the net sometimes when uh, it, it's the size of a pea. And, and uh, that, I think that's just the mentality of it. It's, it's the hardest position, I believe, in sports, uh, and it, it's something that um, uh, if a D or a forward make a mistake, uh, you have the ability to, to kind of to rescue the play. Um, but if you make a mistake, 99% uh, of the time it's in the back of your net and the light's on and everybody's focus is on the mistake that you made. And I think that's why you might see some of the inconsistencies. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's good to understand. Uh, you know, the, the, the world is set up against goalies and uh... <laughs> <laughs> just makes it hard, right? Makes it hard. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So uh, tell, tell me about why, uh, why and how you ended up at uh, Culver Academies. Um, so they, um, you know, I really believed what, what Scott had going um, at Lindenwood was, was kind of prime for a breakout. Um, and unfortunately the, the, uh, athletic department didn't feel the same way and so when they went in a different direction um after scott's um i didn't i wasn't real happy about it and and i felt that uh um i needed to look elsewhere um and so brian adowski another mentor of mine um was actually at um culver at the time um and i had reached out to him to come and interview uh at lindenwood to try to set that up to see if we could have somebody come in and, and provide another uh, leadership change that we needed um, and, um, that obviously didn't work out. He ended up going to China and having a great, uh, great run internationally, but he called me right before he, um, um, announced that he was going to China and he said, Hey, uh, you know, I really enjoy that Culver. Uh, they've asked me for some names and I gave them one. Uh, I think you'd be fantastic. And, and, uh, hopefully you, you'll give it a chance and take a look at it. And, um, you know, I had been recruiting a couple of times to Culver, uh, some kids. And, um, so, you know, you come in and you, you go right to the rink, which is just right there. And, and then you check it out and it's a beautiful facility and then you leave. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I came in on my interview that you realized how beautiful th this place is and, and the, the setup and, and it's just a very, very unique, uh, environment. Gotcha. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Culver Academy. The, it started off as a Culver Military Academy, which still is on, on the boys' side of things. In 1894, yep. it's in Indiana. Uh, it's on a beautiful lake. So uh, just maybe give me the background on the school and why it, it, why the military element of it was was so important to starting the academy. Well, I mean, it was, it was originally designed to train um, leaders uh, and, and then officers to go into to the military. And so they were, they, that's what they were doing. Um, and then over time, obviously the, the need for, um, we had military academies that, that popped up for, for colleges and stuff, and there wasn't a need to, to directly train them to, to go to, to fight. And so it kind of went to the, to the wayside and it just was more of just based on the discipline, uh, based, based on, um, you know, if I want to earn this, I have to do this. Like, you know, a lot of the military systems are. 
Um, and then in 71 is when they, they started the, the girls program, um, they're at the girls school, excuse me. Um, and, and then it just kind of, um, melded into a, a really cool environment on the high school side of things. And, uh, it's two separate entities you know, they have the, the CMA, which is the Culver military Academy and the CGA, which is the, the Culver girls Academy and, um, boys is that's probably the biggest misconception we have is when people hear that it's, you know, Culver military Academy is it. It's a military based on both sides, but um, it's a leadership based on the girl side called Prefect, uh, and it's just student led, um, and it's it's um, yeah, it's great. And so, just to be clear, so um, on the girl side of things, they they don't participate in military um, uh, events or practices and things like that. It's 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 just a more of a prep school kind of situation. Correct. Yep, that is correct. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, so, so talk to me about, uh, where the girls program was at when you arrived and what you've been doing, um, over the last uh, few years to, to kind of take it to the new level. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I took over, Brian had laid the groundwork, um, pretty nice and, and really had gotten Culver to see, uh, the needs, uh, that, that we were heading and the way it was trending, if it was going to continue to be, um, a, a place that we wanted to, to, focus our energy on, on a, developing a strong hockey program, um, then we needed to have two teams. At that, that, at that time, we had only had one. It was just a one prep team, a U19 team. And so you had 14-year-olds competing against 19-year-olds uh, on a season-to-season -season basis. And that's just tough when you're looking at the overall development of, of athletes. And so um, that's what I came in, kind of just riding in on his coattails, expressing how important it was for us to, to develop this U16 um, program and, and that the importance that that's going to allow us to develop our kids in the right way to make sure that they're ready for the college level um, if they choose to go that right. And so, um, you know, two and a half years ago, they they announced that um, they, they were starting a U16 program, which was fantastic. Um, and we had last year, we had a kind of a development program where it was some kids that were currently at Culver that, that had played hockey and kids that were coming in and wanted to kind of get in, in line for the U16 program. And then this year, we're first year at the U16 level, and it's just been, it's been fantastic. You know, we have brought in, you know, almost 20 kids in, in one year and, and it was, um, you know, it was challenging on, on, on bringing in that, that number of kids and, but they're, they're, fun to be around. They're excited about, again, uh, building something that they can be proud of. And, you know, Grayson Hershey is somebody that's doing a great job leading that program. Um, and uh, it's it's been exciting to watch it develop um, over the last year. Beautiful. All right. So uh, just for folks who are listening, know, uh, Brian Adolski is currently the head coach at St. Cloud State University. So um, that's yep. that's the uh, that's the connection to, um, you know, college hockey. Uh, so maybe just talk a little bit about the facilities from a hockey perspective. I know you have your own rink. Uh, maybe talk about everything else that you have to support the hockey program from an infrastructure perspective. Yeah, so uh, we've got we've got our, our own athletic facility. It's got two rinks on it. Uh, one's in the NHL side, which is like the background that you have. Um, and then the one that we have is on the other side is called the parent rink. And that is um, an Olympic size. It's it's 
very uh, focused on skill development. We've got lines all over the place so we can go cross ice and the goalies have creases and we can go all, all of these things. It's very, very skill developed based. Um, we have a, a uh, workout facility uh, in the rink as well that, that our kids love. Um, and um, all of our teams, we have four boys teams and two girls teams. They all have their own locker room space and, and it's something, it's a really nice place to, you know, most of our kids are, are used to driving hours um, to and from the rink. And, and I know you from being from California, you're probably know, very familiar with that. Uh, and so the five minute walk is something that they, they really enjoy as well. Gotcha. So, so, uh, you, you talk about, uh, the parent rink as being a place to do skill development. So what do you do to develop the players that isn't part of the team, uh, development? Well, we have some uh, great skills guys uh, that, that work with all of our program. Uh, and so whether that be at the beginning of practices or uh, dedicating a day during the week um, to, to come in and work with our kids, and, and that could be from anything from power skating to just to just skill development, puck handling, um, you know, shooting technique, uh, everything. You know, we have a shooting range as well um, at the rink, and so it allows our kids to take what these skills – coaches and, and the rest of their coaches are, are asking them to do and implement that in in their um in any extra time that they do have which they do get to spend at the rink gotcha and do you do you feel that um that is going to help your players kind of um get to an even higher level than that you haven't been doing in the past or what wasn't available in the past Sure. I mean, opportunities to to work on your game is, is something that's going to give you that opportunity. It's it's not something that's just guaranteed because you show up. I don't care where you go. Uh, and so having the ability to 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 get the extra work in uh, and having coaches that are, are willing to work with you in those situations um, allows you to push your 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 ceiling higher and higher um, when you're dedicated like that, when you're dedicated to your craft. Uh, it's amazing how how many doors open up when when you do that. Gotcha. So, so now let's move with now. Okay. Now you got all these players getting better. Um, let's talk about, you know, your, the level of competition that you play. So maybe just start off with like, how do you um, set up your schedule for the season? Who do you decide to play? I know you're in Indiana, so you're, you're close to Illinois, you're close to Michigan. Um, uh, obviously you can make the trip out to Minnesota if you needed to maybe talk about how you design who your competition and, and how you, you put together your schedule. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit unique. Um, we are, an academic institution that tries to be really good in hockey. And, and so our school doesn't allow us to miss a lot of days of school. So we've got to keep that around six that we get to miss. And so that kind of is a big challenge for us to, to deal with, with all of these travel, all these tournaments, all of these games, you have to be very aggressive with that stuff. And so, um, you know, we'll play a couple of tournaments uh, in Minnesota. We'll be a part of the elite league uh, as a guest. Um, we'll play one that's kind of in the Midwest to the tournament wise, um, whether that's Michigan, Illinois, you know, hoping to get to Toronto, but COVID kind of messed that up for us a bit. Um, and then we have an East Coast one. So at each each area of the country, we are, our players have the opportunity to be seen by by college coaches for for opportunities that they they may want to go to, um, and then like you said, we're we're close to the Illinois Chicago area, so you know that's two hours from some some decent competition. You know, we're three and a half from Detroit again, plenty of good hockey there, and and even in Milwaukee, we can we could go up to Wisconsin and see some some competition there. And so, based on that, we try to um, fill it within our tournament schedule that makes us kind of have to miss school with some games that are a little bit closer, so that we can still Again, remain competitive, play some really good teams, but uh, allow our kids not to be out of the classroom. 
Gotcha. And, and you still um, uh, can qualify for the national championships. You're in the uh, Mid-America District. Um, mm -hmm. And so basically you're going up against the Penn's Elite and Gilmore Academy, according, from my understanding of things. It's basically yeah. the three, you know, at least one of, of the three of you are going to win win the districts. And then uh, if, if you're ranked highly enough, maybe two, like last year, uh, make it to nationals. Talk about, you know, how important that uh, that district playoffs is for you to, to, to make it to nationals and the importance of nationals to your team. Well, I mean, it's just an opportunity to play against the best of the best, you know, and so the district tournament is great because we play Gilmore. They're a big, the big rival of ours. And, and same with Penns. It's always been fantastic games. They always have great teams. And so it's just, it's teams that they go into and, and you, you hope that your uh, execution is where you'd like it to be. Um, and, and it's, it's been exciting the last, since I took taken over being able to, um, I mean, Brian did it in his last year, and then we've had been been blessed to do it two years since uh, every other year, basically. Um, and then when you get to nationals, um, it again, it's the best of the best. It's not only exposure for your your players to be seen by college coaches that are going to be attending that, but it's also uh, exposure for them to to see uh, the other types of teams that maybe we didn't get a chance to play um, throughout the year. Um, and you know, that's that's what we want out of this whole experience is to make sure that we're providing our kids with opportunities to, to develop, whether that's on the ice or, or just mentally. Gotcha. All right. So now let's get to the most important question of, of this conversation. Uh, why Culver? So the, you know, please compare, you know, the type of prep school that you have and, and the academic and athletic opportunity at Culver compared to, um, you know, playing in Minnesota, New England prep specifically, which I would think is, is, is a, you know, big quote unquote competitor to where uh, players who are considering going to Culver also consider mm -hmm. um, also versus just a hockey academy or other um, prep schools like Northwood or Gilmore, et cetera, et cetera. Like why would someone pick Culver over those many other opportunities um, to play hockey? Well, I mean, I'm, I've never been a part of those other programs that you missed uh, that you mentioned. So I don't know exactly how they do things, but I can just tell you how we do things. And, and I strongly believe if you paint a picture of um, where you're going and, and what you're going to do to get there and, and how particular people can, can be a part of it, um, people start to get excited about that. And, and I think when you have some passion behind your words and, and as you're building something, then uh, it starts to become pretty exciting. Um, you know, I think on the East Coast prep school side of things, it's the split season. Um, you know, there's there's some struggles with that as far as uh, I don't know if one is right or better or what. I just know sometimes with um, organizing two separate things, um, the cost of associated with both of those um, versus just having one. Um, you know, I think that has a lot to do with some decisions. Um, and and the other the other thing why I think Culver is unique is. Um, you know, too many times I think in in our society right now we're we're always looking for the easiest path, and I don't know if that's the right um, mentality for our kids. And Culver does a real good job of of uh, hand, just the hard right, and and showing them that it's okay for you to struggle. It's okay to um, chase excellence in everything that you do. You know, we've got kind of three prongs here at Culver that we that we believe strongly in, and uh, first one is academics. Uh, we want to be, uh, we want to chase greatness in, in, in the classroom. Um, and we believe that we should be leaders uh, off the ice as much as on the ice. And, and then obviously we want to be as best we can on, on the ice as well. And, and that's a unique experience. You know, a lot of these other uh, schools um, don't have the, um, the, the discipline that's, that Culver brings to the table. Um, 
you know, I think I, I stole this from Kara Lawson, who's the Duke women's basketball coach. And I just, I love her. If you, um, if you don't follow her on Twitter, follow it. She's got great stuff. And she just talks about even at the, at the college level of our job isn't to make it easy, right? It's, it's to help them handle hard better. And I think that's Culver in a nutshell. It just really allows our kids to, to struggle now. So when they get to the college level, it's like, okay, I got this. This is what I've been doing for the last four years. And, and I can, I can embrace the failure. I can embrace the struggle and know that I'm getting better from that. And I think that's a really powerful opportunity. You know, I'm, my son is a senior here um, and an, an officer in the, in the, in the cadet program. And I tell you what, if you'd asked me four years ago with my son coming in and that, that he was going to be that, um, it's, it's just not the case. He's done, a, he's done a great job and really bought into the expectations for him. My daughter's a sophomore here in the same situation. It's hard. And th those phone calls are always hard to, to hear when they're struggling. But you know that it's just it's making them better and that they are embracing that and they're growing. Um, and, and so whether I'm a dad and I'm watching my kids go through that or I'm a coach and I'm watching our, my players go through that, it's it's something that once they really start to embrace that mentality, um, they're, you know, they're a really hard group to knock down. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you mentioned, you touched on it uh, when you were referring to the New England prep school, some of the cost piece of it. Um, so my, the way I understand it is Culver's got some great alumni who've created some uh, scholarships, uh, specifically the Distinguished Merit Scholarships. Talk about how that helps you in your recruiting process um, to help bring in uh, some kids to, to afford uh, going to Culver Academy because it's, it's a pretty expensive place to go to school. Yeah, it's for sure. Uh, and I think Culver does a great job of making it so that it's not just for the elite, you know, it's, it's, it's people from all over the world. Um, and, and the, the distinguished scholarships is an opportunity for, um, to spread that. And so they go through a, like a massive, uh, uh, application process. It's not just the application process to get into the school, but it's um, what else? What else do you bring to the table that's going to make uh, make our campus better? What's going to make our environment around you better? And and kids, you know, like um, th that can do that and uh, are exceptional in that area, especially on the academic side of things. Um, you know, Culver wants you to be a part of their program, and and whether that's on the ice or whether that's in in the classroom, uh, we are again chasing excellence in everything that we do. And so when somebody brings that to the table. Uh, they want to try to reward ones that can. Beautiful. All right. Last two questions. So how do you go out and, and recruit players? What What is your recruiting strategy for Culver? Well, um, that's, a, that's a tough one because I don't get it. I don't get a chance to get out too much. And so um, a lot of it is um, through camps that I work. A lot of it is through uh, getting out and getting a chance to be at tournaments that that we're maybe participating in, where kids have reached out to us and, and asked to get eyes on them and and try to, to, to do it both ways like that. And um, it, it's I, I try not to, to be a salesman um, with Culver. I'm trying not to sell them on anything um, because of that hard factor we talked about. Um, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when they start to struggle. And if, and if they feel like, you know, mom talked them into it or coach Whitaker talked them into it, then when it gets hard, that's where their brain goes versus them picking that path. It really allows them to persevere through, through those tough times. And so um, we, we go out there, we talk about, you know, again, who we are, what we do. Um, and, and when people, when, when players show interest in us back, um, 
that's when we talk about how they can they can help us push the envelope that way and and just be um, again continue to chase greatness. Beautiful. All right. So now we'll, we'll flip it around on the other side of things is how do you help your current players get recruited? Because I know uh, every year you have at least one or two who, uh, mm-hmm. who, who, who go play college hockey, uh, some D1, some D3. Um, maybe talk about how you help with that process. I mean, yeah, it's it's great. And I think Culver opens up a lot of doors academically. You know, when kids take their academics seriously and, and coaches get a chance to see um, that they're not going to have to babysit them in the classroom, that becomes a recruitable trait. Uh, when they know that they've been um, held accountable on the leadership side of things and that they're going to be fantastic kids in the class or in, in the locker room, um, again, coaches turn that into a recruitable trait. And so when you can just bring in kids and know that you can push them hard and coach them honestly, um, that becomes, again, a recruitable trait for our kids. And so, um, you know, since I've taken over, uh, I think every kid that we've had in our program has had the opportunity to play college hockey. Um, some have gone in different directions. Some have played lacrosse or or um, uh, just gone to a big school, and the only offers they had were from small schools, things like that. But um, because they take their academics seriously, um, all of our kids have had the opportunity to play college hockey. Now, how that happens is is a bit of ex- execution, uh, a bit of timing. You know, the NCAA is a bit of a mess right now with with the COVID and the five years and everything like that. And so there's some really good hockey players out there that, that don't always get a chance to play um, at the level that they they want. But um, the the timing of it is is um, is important for our kids. We start a little bit later than everybody else as well. And so when we do go to these tournaments, um, it's it's a great opportunity for them to to be seen, um, you know, and, and try to have conversations with with coaches throughout the year, um, and talk about the kids that we that we know are excelling in on the ice that are developing. Um, we still have a couple of underage kids as our as our 16U develops, um, but it's just great opportunities to to talk to those coaches about all of the things that we've talked about today and why that is a, uh, an addition to their program is, is strong. Beautiful. All right. So we're going to wrap it up, but uh, if folks want to learn more about Culver and maybe, um, you know, connect with you directly, what, what, what's the best way to, uh, to, 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 to contact you? Um, by the website, um, uh, my email address is on there and happy to answer any questions that, that people might have um, and uh, excited to, to have the conversation with you. Beautiful. Corey, hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it was great learning about your your, your goalie development, your coaching career, um, all about Culver Academy and, and what you're doing uh, with, the, with the girls program. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I really want to thank Corey for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn about how he became a goalie, his coaching journey, and how he's growing the Culver Eagles girls hockey program. You can connect with Corey on the school's website or via his Champs app profile. Links to both are in the show notes.